0: Hello and welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast. I'm your host, Regan Larson. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for your constant support always and just tuning in every week that I post. I haven't been that consistent lately. I know I've been super busy, um, but every week that I post, you guys tuning in and showing me support. And you guys are showing me so much support and so much love on the merch. Um, That's been something that's been super exciting uh, for me to just be able to put out and create. I'm actually making the shirts myself. So I got a little screen printing thing with my boy Musa. Shout out, Musa. I love you, bro. Uh, he's the man. Cool, One of the coolest guys I know. Um, but we had this little screen printing thing and basically like man, put the logo on the screen and then let it dry with the coat. And then now I can just like print out shirts. I just like put the paint on there and I'm like making them handmade. Uh, so everyone that you guys are getting or buying is handmade. By your boy. Um, and they're probably a little bit unique because they might just be turn out a little bit different every time. Um, but yeah, if you guys want a shirt or want a hoodie or want a sweatshirt, whatever it may be, let me know. I would be happy to make it for you guys. I'm charging like 20 bucks a shirt, 20, 25 bucks, depending on, on what you get. And then sweatshirts would be like 35, like nothing, nothing crazy, but I'm making them myself. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a charge you a little bit. I love you guys though. So thank you so much. Um, for that support and um, oh one more thing before I hop into this this word dude shout out to my friend Jordan Pierce she started her very own podcast um, she's awesome it is called testimonial podcast and basically she loves stories and she loves the stories of people and the stories of people coming to know Jesus Which is our testimony. And there's so much power in each one of our testimonies and how we've come to know Jesus and really how Jesus has chased us down. Um, So, whether it was a split moment in which we met Jesus or it was a gradual time to which we were coming to know Jesus, um, each of our paths is different. And no matter how drastic or man, if if it's not a even if it's not a drastic story, there's so much value, so much power in our testimony. The Bible says that that is our strongest witness. Is what Jesus has been doing in our lives. Um, so Jordan is highlighting those things in her very own podcast and interviewing people, asking and talking about their testimonies. And uh, so yeah, I'm just stu- super stoked for her and proud of her for for starting that and stepping out in faith and doing that. So shout out to her. Go listen to testimonial podcast. Um, it is on Spotify. I don't know if it's available anywhere else. But um, but yeah, anyways, had to give a shout out to her. But today's lesson um, is actually a lesson that I taught to my middle schoolers a couple weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. Um, and it's one of my favorite passages of scripture in Luke 7. And um, this has just been a place that I've just been resting lately a lot. And just want to paint the picture of the worthiness of Jesus and this scripture does that really, really well. And um I pray that this would just be our posture um towards Jesus and um rightfully viewing him, rightfully beholding him and making him known to others by the way in which we live and by the way in which we surrender. As I was preparing for this message, this lesson for my middle schoolers a couple of weeks ago, I was really just like praying on and studying this scripture. And I just got completely wrecked and um, just felt this burden on my heart for this to be my posture, this woman's posture to be my posture. And I wasn't, I didn't know what I was going to be teaching on, preaching on that week to my middle schoolers. um, But I knew one day that I would preach a message on this. So I just started writing a sermon and then I was like, dude, I really want to preach this this week. So I reached out to Vani, who is our kids director, because I kind of have to go along with what the kids Vision Kids is teaching. And I take that topic or that passage of scripture and I make my own lesson um, for the middle schoolers. And Bonnie answers me back and she literally says that they're doing the same passage of scripture and I had no idea. And it's just so cool how God works in that way and places the same things on each one of our hearts operating in the same spirit on the same accord. Um, So then I just got wrecked all over again because I just thought that was so cool. Um but anyways, let me just get into this lesson, this passage, and um we have a lot of scripture. So verses thirty-six through fifty. If you're sitting down somewhere, you can open your Bible with me and uh crack it open and read along with me. If you're in the car, please don't open your Bible. Keep your eyes on the road and uh just listen. So I'll just read it and then I'll get into some some just my notes from the from the passage and then I'll get into some key points. Um, so more of like a real lesson feel here. I just really wanted to, and felt like I needed to share this with you guys today, this week or wherever you're at. Um, so yeah, let's just get into it. So starting verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisees' house and reclined at the table, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that she was that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought her alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair and kissed sorry, wow. Wiped them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him said, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he answered, say it, teacher. I cert- a certain money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 denarii. When they, can- when they both could not pay, he canceled both of their debt. Now, which one of them will love more? Simon answered, the one I supposed whom, the- whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Then turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water from my feet, but she gave me, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped her and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she did not cease to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you her sins, which are many are forgiven for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And and he went to her, and said, "Your sins are forgiven." Then those who were at the table, sorry, then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, "Who is this who even forgives sins?" And he said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace." Man, such a powerful passage of scripture, and just so many good things uh, to pull out. First, first thing I want to say is just, I can just imagine. This woman (laughs) hearing the good news that Jesus is going to be at the Pharisee's house and her running through the city, running through the city, not caring who's looking at her, running home, doing all that she can just to grab her belongings, just to grab her alabaster flask of ointment and to run back to the Pharisee's house, kick down the door, karate chop the door down, whatever, maybe just to bust in the house and get to the feet of Jesus. This was the first thing that really just came to my mind, and just revelation was her doing everything she could just to get to the feet of Jesus. And that alone just like brought tears to my eyes. Um, it's just is so powerful doing everything she can just to grab her belongings, grab all that she had, just to pour it out on the feet of Jesus. So, a couple key truths after that, I just had to, that was the first thing I had to get out of the way, I'm sorry. Um, but a couple key truths that I had to, um, that I wanted to pull out was one, just talking about this alabaster flask, flask of oil. Um, I'm sure a lot of, you know, but women actually use this oil to put on their head and their hair, um, to, you know, make them, make them smell all good. They didn't really have showers and all that. And they didn't really take showers or baths a whole lot back then. They had them, but they didn't really take them every day. Like we do today. At least I hope you guys are. Otherwise you're dirty. Um, but they use this ointment, this oil to make a smell all good, you know, make the, make the men turn their heads, man. Who is that? Um, and her posture was pouring it on his feet. You know, this was something that she would use for her head and her hair, but her posture was pouring it on the feet of Jesus saying that all that she was worthy to do, all that she had, her ointment was only worthy to touch the feet of Jesus. She was only worthy to be at the feet of Jesus because he was so holy, so set apart, so righteous. And she had a revelation of truly just who Jesus was as a man and as a son of God. Um, and she was saying that her ointment and her posture was only worthy to be at his feet. And in the society, this is significant because really their feet were the dirtiest part of their body. You know, they wore open toed shoes or they walked around barefoot everywhere really. And everything was dirt, like dirt floors in their house, dirt streets. Like there wasn't such thing as, as concrete or any of that. No, they might've had a carpet. I don't really know, but it was still probably dirty because it was laying on dirt and, not only that, but like the animals were walking around the same place that the humans were walking around and they were pooping everywhere or whatever. And they were walking around open toe shoes and barefoot. And look, I'm all about some Birkenstocks. Look, I am the Birk man. I have pff, five, six pairs of Birkenstocks. I love Birkenstocks, but I'm not walking around on animal poop in my Birkenstocks. So their feet were so dirty back then. And like Still, she, she, her, her posture was laying at the feet of Jesus and pouring her alabaster flask of ointment, her, her, all of her value at the feet of Jesus. And in this culture, the oil, the alabaster jar of oil, it was probably the most valuable and expensive thing a woman might've had. So a jar on average of this alabaster flask of ointment was worth about 300 denarii. So as we saw in the story, they had, the, the two debtors were 500 denarii in debt and then 50 denarii in debt, but a, gla- a flask of oil was worth about 300 denarii. And this translates to about $54,000 in today's world. To be exact, it's $54,509. That's how much a uh, alabaster flask of ointment was worth in our world today. Um, and this is, this is a lot of money, bro. $54,000, is a lot you can do with $54,000, especially with the gas prices right now. I know a whole lot of you could use $54,000 worth of anything, uh, gift card, something. And what does she do with her $54,000? She went home, grabbed it, and did everything she could just to get back to the feet of Jesus and poured it all at her feet, saying, here, here, Jesus, here's my belongings. Here's what I have. You take it. You're worthy of it. And it's, it's only worthy to touch your feet. Um Another verse I want to focus on here. Sorry, I'm running through these quick, but it's verse 40. So actually, verse 39. So verse 39, um, I'm going to just reread it. It says, now when the Pharisees who had invited invited him saw this, he said to himself, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is touching him, for she is a sinner. So he said to himself, that this woman was a sinner. Oh man, I can't believe Jesus is letting him letting her touch him. And then what did Jesus say? He says, I have something to tell you, Simon. And he, and I could just see Simon perking up. Oh yeah, good. Say it, teacher. I want to hear what you have to say. When little did he know Jesus was about to put him on blast because he knew his thoughts, right? <laughs> and this really this verse really scares me because there's no hide and seek with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? There's no hide and seek with Jesus. He knows our hearts, he knows our thoughts. So let them be honoring to him. Like, I know there's so many times where I think something in my own head, or I, I just say something to myself, I whisper to myself, whatever it is. And I know that it's not uplifting and honoring to the person next to me, or I know it's not uplifting and honoring to Jesus. Um And I think that I'm the only one that knows it, but really Jesus knows it too. Jesus he hears my thoughts he knows my thoughts he hears what I say and just whisper to myself he knows what the intentions of my heart are um, so there's a lot of things that we can say and do good things but out of the wrong intentions or out of the wrong heart posture um, so I think this is just an area that we can really myself completely included but just allowed Jesus to search our heart in this area so that we can sorry um, so that we can uplift and honor him in everything that we do say and think uh, I think that's just so important. So another verse, uh forty-one and forty-three, this is just the parable that he uses. So he says, A certain money lender had two debtors, one owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. When they could not pay, he cancelled both debts. Now which one of them loved more? Simon answered, the one I suppose whom he cancelled the larger debt, and whom sorry. And Jesus said, You have judged correctly. So really just like the, the one who is forgiven much loves much. And I don't know about you guys, uh, but I have definitely been forgiven much. We have all been forgiven much. And I think that a lot of times we tend to weigh our sin and we're like, oh, yeah, like my sin's not as bad as that guy. Like I've only I've only lied a couple times and whatever. But that guy, he's like he's stolen. like He's killed somebody. Um, but God doesn't weigh sin like we weigh sin. He doesn't calculate sin like well, we calculate sin. He counts all sin equal. So whether you're a liar, like the liar is the same as the thief, the same the thief is the same as the murder. Like we're all the same in the eyes of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans three twenty three, um, and He doesn't weigh it on a scale like we do, and therefore our response to Jesus should be the same as the woman. No matter what we've been forgiven for, we've been forgiven for much because we've all been away from Jesus. We've all gone our own way, um, and notice that Jesus, like that, that the woman was not. Jesus didn't forgive the woman because she loved Jesus a lot. Like she was not forgiven because she loved Jesus a lot, but she was forgiven because Jesus loved her a lot. And the woman's posture was humble. You know what I'm saying? Like she was laying at his feet, acknowledging her sin, acknowledging that she wasn't worthy. But because Jesus loved her so much, then she was forgiven. This shows that Jesus was first always loving us and our response to him and his great love is to love him back. Jesus says at the very end of the passage, he says, your faith has saved you. This woman's faith has saved her. She she, she knew who Jesus was. She believed that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. And while she was believing and having this revelation of who Jesus really was and pouring out her heart, pouring out her belongings to him, the Pharisees questioned who Jesus was. And I think this is such a ironic and really just weird, like, dynamic going on. And while this woman was pouring out everything to Jesus, this was her posture of laying down at his feet, praising him, thanking him. The Pharisees were still questioning who Jesus was. And I think that the woman's posture towards Jesus made the Pharisees, it made the Pharisees question who Jesus was in order for them to see him rightly. And I don't really know what, what happened after, but you know, the Pharisees are bad dudes in the Bible. Uh, there's, they're no one's favorite, favorite guys. Um, but oftentimes we're the Pharisees in the story. Um, and we have to learn to be like the woman laying at the feet of Jesus. And really all Jesus wants us to be is vulnerable. Like he already knows everything. He he already knows our thoughts. Like we, we found out with Simon, he already knows our thoughts. Uh, we just have to confess it to him, confess our, and acknowledge our sin and be vulnerable to him. This woman's posture was vulnerable. She was Frankly, like she embarrassed herself in front of everyone just to get to Jesus. She ran through the city to get home and grab her alabaster flask. Then she breaks in the door just to just to get to the feet of Jesus, pouring out everything, crying and, and weeping at his feet, washing her, washing Jesus's feet with tears. Bro, the the feet were the dirtiest part of the body. You know how many tears you got to cry to wash his feet? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then she would use her hair, which was like the most back then in that society, like your hair was like the most honoring and like beautiful part of you. And it was like a woman's pride. And she would wipe Jesus's dirty feet with her hair to just proclaim his worthiness, to be vulnerable to him. And this is, this is like, this must be our posture is just to be able to embarrass ourselves, just to get to the feet of Jesus, just for everyone to see Jesus rightly by the way that we surrender to him. And really the reason that she did this, is I've already said this many times, but she had a revelation of who Jesus was. She had a revelation that Jesus was her hope, her salvation, her fix to her mess and her saving grace. And that there was no one else, there was nothing else that could ever satisfy her or forgive her or save her than this person of Jesus. I used this analogy when I was teaching this lesson to my middle schoolers. Um, and I just liked it. So I'm going to use it <laughs> to to explain it to you guys too. Um, but coming to Jesus should be like showing him our junk drawer. And I know every one of you guys have a junk drawer at home where it's just a bunch of bunch of crap in a drawer that doesn't belong together. And, you know, maybe you got a yo-yo and you just, you know, I don't know where to put this. I'm just going to throw it in the drawer. And then you have a calculator and you're like, uh... Ah. Don't really have any place for a calculus. So I'm going to throw it in the drawer too. And then I got a ruler. Don't really have any place for a ruler. Uh, you know, I'm just going to put it in the drawer too. And all of a sudden you got a drawer uh, that is just a pile of chaos, a pile of random junk that doesn't belong together, but you don't have anywhere else to put it. So you just stick it in a drawer. And, uh, and it's just discombobulated it's chaos in there. It doesn't look good. It's just a mess. And if you have a guest over or something and, you know, they're looking for a pencil, they're like, oh yeah, can I get a pencil? And all of a sudden they reach to go in the junk drawer and you're like, no, 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 don't, don't go in there, please. The, the pencils are over there and you do anything and everything to keep people out of the junk drawer from seeing your mess and your crap. But coming to Jesus should be like showing him our junk drawer and just opening up and being vulnerable. Um, because one, he already knows, but two being vulnerable to him and showing him, Hey, Jesus, look, here's, here's my crap. Here's my chaos. Here's my mess. I can't do anything with it. I don't know how to organize it. Um, please just take it. It's yours. You do with it. You deal with it. Um, because I, I can't do anything with it and I desperately need your help. And that's what coming to Jesus should be like is showing him our drunk drawer and, um, yeah and this is what this woman did really It was just being vulnerable before him, pouring out her heart, pouring out her belongings before Jesus, and showing him her drunk drawer and um i don 't know i think I think I just asked my question this self asked myself this question a lot, excuse me, and I asked myself this question a lot, but especially after reading this passage, I asked myself this question a whole lot um, was just how much would we give jesus if we actually recognized who he was, if we actually had a revelation, a recognition, a realization of who Jesus was as the Son of God, the only one worthy, of the Lamb that was slain before the very foundations of the earth. If we really had a recognition of who Jesus was, how much would we give Him? And like I just, I just simply don't want to miss Jesus. And so many times we see in the Bible that the Pharisees. They, they miss Jesus. They're so caught up in their religious ways and their knowledge and whatever it may be that they miss Jesus. And I, I get so burdened with my own heart and with my own ministry um, and and just doing all these things for Jesus and whatever it may be. And then realize that I've been missing Jesus the whole time and just having to constantly allow Jesus to posture my heart um, and posture my own heart and just keep the main thing, the main thing in Jesus. Um, And I I think one thing that I've realized is just how easy it is to get this posture of being a Pharisee um, and get caught up in the rush of life, in the rush of doing ministry and preparing lessons and and helping people and whatever, um, that you forget that your private life with Jesus is what matters most um, and having to fight just to get in the secret place and just spend time with him and just dwell with him and have this constant revelation each day of like who Jesus is um, and just a reminder. And our relationship with Jesus depends on how much we depend on him. I heard that somewhere. I don't remember where, but I thought it was so good. And our relationship with Jesus depends on on how much we depend on him. And God's deepest desire is that he would be our deepest desire. God's deepest desire is that he would be our deepest desire. And this woman's posture was dependent on Jesus. And she was pouring out her heart and her life to him. And to be dependent on Jesus means that you have to be at his feet. To be completely surrendered and vulnerable and just pouring it all out, laying your life down at his feet, Pouring your heart out at his feet, pouring your belongings and all your desires out on his feet and saying, Lord, I desperately need you. I'm dependent on you. And like I was saying, for this next part, I'm really just going like to focus on the Pharisees in the story because I just really, I think it's so important that we understand um, the posture and the heart of the Pharisees and who they were. And then how they miss Jesus because I think so many times it's us and we 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 read these stories and we're like yeah I don't really like these Pharisee guys uh, they're not they're not doing a whole lot of good but oftentimes we are the Pharisees in the story um, so I think I think it's important to man like study them so that we don't become like them um, so this ministry thing you know it's it's really fun and it's such an honor to serve Jesus and to serve his people but within all the ministry, that can start to become what you worship and not Jesus. And I saw this post the other day and it said, you can be a pastor, you can be a teacher, etc., and you can still miss Jesus. And I think that like, this is the gist of like who and what the Pharisees were is that they knew it all. They taught it all. They studied it all. They knew the scriptures like nobody else. Um, it, it was crazy how much they knew. They knew more than whoever your favorite pastor is the pharisees knew more than them about the scripture and they actually like they studied the fact that the messiah was coming but yet when jesus was standing right in front of them when they were standing in the same room as jesus they didn't even recognize him they studied the scriptures in the old testament that pointed to the fact that jesus the messiah was coming and yet, when they were standing face to face with him, when they were standing in the same room as him, they didn't even recognize who he was. They didn't even have the revelation of who he was. And this was because their pride and what they knew, <laughs> they thought they knew more than, Je- more than what Jesus knew, or they thought they knew too much to realize who Jesus was. And pride is truly just the heart of a Pharisee. And your pride blocks your view of Jesus. And I think this is so many times us, And that our pride is blocking our view of Jesus and that if we would just get out of our own way and allow Jesus to be Jesus, we would have the realization and the recognition of who he is. And once you think that you have it like figured out, that's the moment that you don't have it figured out. That's the moment that you're furthest from having it figured out is once you think that you have Jesus figured out, Um, you don't at all. And I just have to share this with you guys. You guys know I try to get vulnerable on every podcast and just be open with you guys. Um, So here I am again with my time of vulnerability. Um, But really just for the past month or so, a little bit over a month, I've just been feeling like super dry and tired and worn out. And I could feel myself trying to do things on my own and out of my own strength. And I was really just like doing the work of Jesus without Jesus, which is a terrible and awful thing, an awful feeling, um, because I can, I could literally just like feel myself missing Jesus in it all. Exactly what I was talking about before is, is doing all these things, being all these things, whatever, and missing Jesus the whole time. And I, I never wanted to be in that space. I never want to be in that space. And I truly just hated this feeling, but I was thankful for the conviction and the awareness of it. Um, so praise God for that. Um, but I was just tired of being in that space. So I just started crying out to God for like the past month or so, um, and just asking him, and pleading with him to show me a, a new and fresh glimpse of his face, a new and fresh glimpse of his beauty. And just something, just something new, something fresh um, helped help me have a new revelation, a realization of how beautiful and how worthy he is. And he didn't right away. <laughs> um, and I kept feeling that way and kept feeling worn out and whatever. And in the midst of it all, um, actually, I'm going to share this with you guys, too. This is something I wrote in my journal. Hold on. Hold um, on. Yeah. So in the midst of it all, this is what I wrote in my journal, just trying to get myself back to that point of full realization of Jesus, full reliance on Jesus. Um, and this is what I wrote. I said, Jesus is the goal, not being saved or forgiven, or even living by a good set of morals, but just getting to know and getting to know him and walk with him hand in hand. I just want to know him more to know him more and fall in love is the, and fall in love with him more is the only thing that will ever sustain me on this journey, sustain me on this life. His name, his love, his word, his ways, his presence, anything else will fade away. He is the lamb that was, that was slain before the very foundations of the earth and worthy is he to sing praises like David, to be transformed as Paul, to be as transformed as Paul, to be as bold as Peter and John, to be able to pour it all out like Mary. That is what I want to be if anything and anything else is in vain what did they see that i'm missing i want to be a people aware of his presence and overwhelmed by his glory and like this has been the biggest thing to me it's just like dude like what did david and peter and john and paul and mary all these people all these stories that you read in the bible what did they see in the person of jesus that i'm missing like i want i want to see that i want to to feel that Um, and I, I think I felt it so many times before, but you know, I don't know. I think you just like forget. And I just wanted to have like a fresh revelation. Um, so I kept crying out and I kept showing up to the secret place and just seeking him and not feeling everything. But this weekend we were up in the mountains with my family and just having a good time, uh, celebrating my mom's birthday. Her birthday is July 4th. So if you guys were wondering what all the fireworks were for, uh, they were for her, um, but happy late birthday, mom. Are we already celebrating? I love you. You're awesome. You're my inspiration. So thank you for being you. Um, but yeah, we were up in the mountains this weekend and we're all sitting in the house, whatever, hanging out. And my mom, she, she goes outside on like the back patio and she's like looking at the stars. She's like, Regan, she calls for me, Regan, come here. You got to see this. And I come outside and I just... I look up and I see the stars and I feel like I can see every star in the entire sky. And we're just standing there together, standing at, staring at them. Um, and I just get caught up, bro. And I'm just like so caught in this gaze of the stars um, and <laughs> just the glory of them, really. And as I was staring at them, I just started crying and tearing up and just became overwhelmed by the worthiness of Jesus the worthiness of God and the song so will i that's one of my favorite songs so will i came to mind and one of the one of the verses one of the lines in the song is if the stars were made to worship so will i and that just kept replaying and replaying in my head and like just started singing it to myself and then i had another realization that the same God, the same Jesus that created these stars, that placed them divinely exactly where they're supposed to be, the shine as bright as they are, is the same God that knows me, sees me, and went up on a rugged cross and died for my sins just so that he could have a relationship with me, just so that I could have a relationship with him. And then I got completely overwhelmed and wrecked by this realization of Jesus, and I sat out there probably an hour, hour and a half, just crying. And it was one of those moments where I'm sit, like you're sitting in the presence of God and it's just so powerful and unlike any other thing that <laughs> I didn't even have any words to say besides just like, Jesus, you're so good. You're so good. You're so worthy. Like I, I want to just like sit there and pray and just like cry out for everything and everyone, but I couldn't, I was just so overwhelmed by his presence, by just this little small sliver of a new glimpse of his face, overwhelmed by his beauty. Um, that was just sitting there wrecked and just crying and thanking him for showing me a new, a new glimpse of his face, a new glimpse of his beauty. Um, and it was just awesome. It was one of those moments, you know, I talk about allowing moments to mark you, um, and, and living through those moments. And that was definitely one of those moments where it just marks you. And um, I was super thankful for it, so I just had to share that with you guys and um, that was a way in which Jesus put my posture back rightfully and laying at his feet vulnerable before him and uh, pouring out everything to him just because he showed me his worthiness once again, as he always does, because he is so, so worthy. So kind of hopping back into the passage here in Luke seven. Um, these are three key points that I pulled out from the passage and we're just going to go through them quick or not quick. We'll see how it goes, Uh, but I'm going to share them with you guys. So number one is those who are forgiven much love much. This is something that we've already talked about before, but letting your love for Jesus reflect what you've been forgiven for. Let your love for Jesus reflect what you've been forgiven for. The love that he has shown us, the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that he has shown us. Let your love reflect that. Have a realization of truly how much we have sinned and gone away and turned our backs to Jesus. And yet, what does he do? He always looks at us with grace and forgiveness. And a lot of times, like, we we live by, by cheap grace, right? Like, we we do things and we know Jesus will forgive us so we just we just keep on doing them I and mean, we deliberately sin and knowing that Jesus will forgive us and really like man that's that's not that's not what repenting is see grace grace doesn't allow you to sin more but it actually frees you from sinning and repentance actually means turning away from your sins it means i'm walking in the direction of east and i do a complete 180 and i walk in the direction of the west you know what i'm saying but like, how are, we, how are we able to do that? How are we able to repent and turn away from our sins? Well, because the grace and the love and, of Jesus are, are so great that they actually give us something better to turn to than we, we, what we were once walking before. The worthiness, the grace, the love, the power, the glory of Jesus is so much better. It's so great that it actually gives us something better to walk in than what we were once walking before. And walking with Jesus is a walk of eternal life, while walking away from Jesus is a path to death. Sin leads you to death. There's a passage in, I think it's, it might be James, bro. Um, but it talks about how, how sin leads to death. And, you know, we, we sin, we're like, okay, like, no big deal. But then that sin eventually grows in to death. And what we're walking in towards sin is a path to hell, like, simple as that. A path walking in sin is a path to hell, but a path walking with Jesus is a path to eternal life um with him and he, like he he's the main goal to be able to walk with Jesus the main goal is jesus um so that's that's point number one point number two is pour it all out. We talked about it this whole time is this woman gave everything that she had to Jesus, and she not only gave everything that she had physically but emotionally, so she not only gave all of her. Belongings, her most valuable possession in the alabaster jar of oil, her $54,000 worth of oil. She not only gave that to Jesus and poured it on his feet, but she, she also gave her emotions, all of her emotions to Jesus. She cried, she wept, she kissed his feet, and she poured out her emotions before Jesus. She said, Jesus, you're worthy of both my belongings and my desires and my life. Like I lay it all down before you at your feet. And I think this just shows that Jesus is touchable even to the sinner. You know what I'm saying? Like, no matter no matter how bad we feel, no matter what, how bad we think that we've done or how bad we think that we are, Jesus is always within reach for us. We're all sinners and he's always within reach of us. And frankly, like Jesus, this, this is the reality of it, pouring it all to him, is Jesus poured it all out for us. He gave it all to us. So therefore we give it all back to him. That is the reason that we are able give it all to Him is because that He gave us absolutely everything to be able to win us, to buy us with the high price of His blood so that we could then pour it all back and give it all back to Him and live with and in Him. I got two verses here, two passages in Philippians. So the first one is, Uh, Philippians two, six through eight, it says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a, as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself to the obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus didn't count his equality with God as something to cling to, but yet he humbled himself for us and before us in order to die for us, that we would have relationship and eternal life with him. This is the good news is that because Jesus humbled himself for us, now we are able to know him and walk with him. Jesus is the main thing. He is the goal. And then Philippians 2, 17, same, same passage of scripture, but just fast forward a little bit. Um, it says this, Paul, Paul's writing this. So then in response to Jesus pouring out his life, for Paul, Paul then says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share in that joy. It is our joy to suffer for Jesus so that he would be honored and glorified in our lives because he did the same for us. And oftentimes like this is, I think this is an extreme example. Um, but I say it all the time, radical Christianity actually isn't radical Christianity. It's just Christianity 101, and that's what following Jesus is, is laying down your life, dying to yourself before him and for him, because he's worthy of it. Like, he he poured it all out for us, so then we can pour it all out for him. But oftentimes, we really don't do this, and that's just the goodness of God, is that often we give God our worst, and yet he still gives us his best. Even when we give God our worst, even when we show him our junk drawer and say, look, God, like, this is all I got is a bunch of, bunch of crap. He still gives us his best. He still gives us his blood to wash us clean and have eternal life in relationship with him. Number three, last point here, kind of going back to the Pharisees, but more so from the, from the side of the woman is your life devoted to Christ. Your life devoted to Jesus will never make sense to the world. Living for Jesus will absolutely never look normal to the world around us. It's you, Following Jesus, walking with Jesus is countercultural, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense to anybody but the person who has seen Jesus rightly and seen his worthiness. And I think this is, this is ironic in the past, like I was saying, it's a weird situation going on because while the woman is having this revelation, this realization of who Jesus is, the Pharisees' hearts are so hard that they don't even see Jesus rightly. They're like, who is this guy? Like, I, I don't, like, why is this woman doing this? And if this man was who he said he was, he wouldn't let this woman touch him. But that's not Jesus. Jesus is touchable for the sinner. And as the Pharisees looked at the woman with disgust, see, they they the Pharisees looked at the woman who was surrendering her life to Jesus with disgust. Jesus looked at her with delight. And the eyes and the gaze of Jesus towards this woman is all that matters. The eyes and the gaze of Jesus towards us is all that matters. It doesn't matter what the world says, it doesn't matter when the world looks at us with disgust or puts us down because we're following Jesus or it doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't matter because we have the delight in the gaze of Jesus. A. W. Tozer, who's he's a he's a theologian, he's an author. If you guys haven't read a book by A. W. Tozer, please do read uh, the Knowledge of the Holy, The Pursuit of God, and God's Pursuit of Man. Those are three of his best books. They're fire. Um, shout out, Skyler. Love you, bro. He gave me a three-in-one book of those, um, and it's just really just changed uh, my life. So he's, uh, man, love that guy. Like my best friend, bro. Um, but anyways, he, he has this quote in The Knowledge of the Holy, and he says this. He says, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to mind when we think about God, when we think about Jesus, is the most important thing about us. How we view God, how we live our lives for Jesus, that is the most important thing about you. Not the money, not the fame, not the girl, not the boy, not, not whatever it is, not the recognition. None of that is important. But what you think about Jesus, how you behold Jesus, that is the most important thing about you. And the world we live in today, it's it's so selfish. And your surrender to Jesus will never make sense to anyone but you because you've seen the worthiness of Jesus, right? And like we live in this selfish society where it's like, you know, do you be you, whatever. I talked about that in the, the community um, podcast. But like we live in such a selfish society that they're not going to get the the fact that you're giving up uh, a well-paying job to be able to go on a mission trip or no i'm not going to go do that because jesus is far more worthy like they're not going to understand that but let your let the worthiness of jesus have a revelation in your heart um and you hold that because that is the most important thing about you is how you view god because of how he has viewed you as as worthy to be his own to be his child um And this woman is the perfect example of this, really. And she did not care what she looked like in front of the people. And she did not care what she looked like in front of the the Pharisees, the the highest religious rulers at the time. She didn't care what she looked like. She just wanted to get to Jesus. As I talked about before, I could just see her just running through the city just to grab her belongings. Because she's heard the good news that Jesus is going to be at the Pharisee's house and does everything she can just to get to the feet of Jesus. And I think this has just been something, another thing that I've been learning so much lately is just that if you, if, you care more about, if you care more about your repu, reputation of yourself, if you care more about the reputation of yourself more than you care about the reputation of Jesus, then you'll never see Jesus rightly. You'll never be sold out for Jesus. And there's only one way to live for Jesus, and that's sold out. So if you care more about what you look like, what other people think of you, than you care about what people think of Jesus... You'll never be sold out for Him. And I think it's more important to make much of Jesus by the way that we live and surrender and not care what we look like. But because our surrender and our radicalness for Jesus is so great that it actually makes people view Him rightly, that's the most important thing that we could do in our entire lives. And I just pray that we as a generation would just have this revelation of the worthiness of Jesus and that we would we would get out of the way of our own, of our own selves and stop caring what other people think about us because we're so just sold out for Jesus and we just truly just desperately want and realize how much we need him and we just have to do anything to get to his feet. I just pray that that this would be my constant revelation. Is this this is something um wow. Y'all hear that thunder, bro? Oh sorry i lost my lost my thought um but yeah this is just something that i i pray over our generation i pray for myself because i know how much that that i don't do well in this area but um that i that i want to do a lot better and it's just getting out of my own way losing my own hold of my own self reputation and just beholding jesus higher than even that um that's something that i'm working on heavily. Um, and something that I want want badly is just to get out of the way of my own self. Because I know that's something that I really struggle with. And um but yeah, that's my prayer for this generation that we would just have a revelation of who Jesus is truly. Um and be at the feet of Jesus, pouring it all out before him because of his worthiness. Um so yeah, that's uh that's just sort of the lesson that I taught to my middle school this past week and I it was heavy on my heart and it was something that I wanted to share with you guys. So Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are loved not only by me, but by the person that matters most in Jesus. And because he loves you so much, now you can pour it all out and love him greatly because of the worthiness that he holds. Um, So guys, thank you again so much for supporting me, listening to this podcast. I hope and pray that it was clear and that you got something out of it. Let me, you know, reach out to me if you guys want to buy a t-shirt. I would happily make it for you in any color that you want. Just let me know, any size, whatever. Uh, Let me know what you guys want and uh, I'll get it to you. So that's it. I'm out.